This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Dr. Stephen Timmy with me. Uh, Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. Thanks for inviting me, and thanks, everyone, for taking time out of your very busy day to listen to the podcast. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. You are, a, uh, you are the founder and president of Finlistic Solutions. Um, you are also an author, a uh, best-selling author, right, which is really yeah. a big deal. You've got Insight-led, uh, Insight-led Selling. Uh, you've got your new book coming out as well, Executive Insights, right, and uh, lots of good yep. stuff cooking in your world. Life is life is good. Life is good. Well, that's awesome. So, um, you know, Stephen, we always start off every one of these shows, as you probably heard, is is really what's made you the man you are today. I know you've you've came from uh, kind of the educational world, and now the right. you know, CEO and and founder of a, of a great company here. And so, uh, just maybe help us understand who Doctor Stephen Timmy is and what's the backstory. Yeah, yeah. So um, I started my career, paid career, as a professor of finance at Emory University here in Atlanta, where I love. And I just had some incredible finance professors going through school. It really inspired me to say, hey, finance can help change people's lives, help change the world. So I, I really enjoyed it. But being a professor, I decided not to take a vow of poverty and uh, <laughs> so I was very, very blessed to be able to do some consulting for a number of Fortune 500 companies. And almost, almost Brett, by pure luck, I was doing this open enrollment workshop at uh, Georgia Tech, also here in Atlanta. So go Yellow Jackets. <laughs> and uh, so it was about operations and financial performance. And this, this guy from this software company came up, said, have you ever thought about applying this to sales? Because he said, we're always trying to show the value of our solutions. And we, we stink at it. And you seem to know how these executives think. Cause that, that, so that's Brett, when I pivoted to say, okay, well, let's focus more on the sales side, help sellers better show the value, how to have a better conversation. And things really started taking off, and as much as it was a really tough decision, because I thought teaching was really a calling, and in fact, I was tenured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm having too much fun. Uh, there's a lot to do. So I left the university, and uh, that was 30 years ago. I've been focused on working with sellers pretty much ever since. And I'm assuming that was probably a pretty scary jump, wasn't it? To your point, you're a 10 year, you got your, you know, probably a pension, you've got some income coming oh. in, all those things, pretty scary to, to, to make the leap. Yeah. So, you know, you still work hard, at least most of us did. Sure. And uh, so to go from, you know, a really nice retirement and it wasn't a great salary to now all of a sudden you're hanging your shingles up. 
uh, yeah, it was kind of challenging. But Brett, I was really, really lucky because very early on, a couple of companies signed up for some pretty significant engagements. But they're, you know, like you, there's times when you're sitting there going, the phone hasn't rung very much recently, right? And I got overhead, so how do I pay it? But no, it was worth it. I don't, I don't regret it one bit. So you're you're traveling the country, probably the world, and you're working with executives at you know huge companies, probably to mid and, and and small companies as well. So you've seen it all. What are you finding, executives? What's their process like for making big decisions? I you know I know for me, you're, we're constantly making big decisions every day, and I'm always curious on. Those leaders, those those great leaders you're seeing around the world, what are yeah. they doing from a from a decision making standpoint to make the best decisions possible? Well, the really good ones, they're always customer centric. It's always about the customers. What is the need? How can we make their lives easier? Right? Uh, yeah. You know, what could, what can we do to get them information faster? In fact, right this this is kind of interesting. This was a number of years ago, but. Uh, Forbes magazine had who are the biggest innovators in business. Of course, everyone's saying Steve Jobs, you know, Bill Gates. And they gave it number one place, they gave it to Sam Walton because he made people's lives easier. So the ones I see are incredibly customer centric. Uh, I mean, do they make mistakes? Of course, everyone does. Sure. Right? Uh, so they're very, very customer centric. And they, the, the ones that I know that have really impressed me the most, they literally want to change the world. You know, not not some you know high level stuff like that, but they really believe that they're there to help people have lives that are that are easier. So that's why it has to trickle down to the sales world because if you're not customer centric and your customer is, you're not you're just not relevant. Yeah, and don't you think though most companies feel that way? I mean, you see that on websites and and people say it, but I mean, do you find that out pretty quickly that people either do or they don't, whether they say it or don't say it on their website? Yeah, yeah, they, they uh, you know they say the right things, and in fact, I was having a call with a acquaintance of mine earlier today about you know everything now is the ESG, right? Carbon yep. neutral by twenty forty twenty, and that's what we were saying. Like some some companies really mean it, and others are just like checking the box, and that's you know twenty five years from now I'm going to be retired. Right. You know they figure it out, but I, I think I think that uh, at least a lot of the companies that I've worked with. Is I, I their their heart is really in the right place. Do, do companies do bad things? Of course they do. There's no question about that. But right. I find the majority of them really are trying to do the right things, be good citizens. Yeah, and, and you're doing business to business sales, and so uh, in our world, the financial advisor space, I mean, especially when I was you know young in this business and and just getting started, the old gatekeeper. Right. We have those gatekeepers in every business, whether you're business to business or consumer to, uh, you know, one on one or whatever it may be. And so what are you doing there helping people to get through that gatekeeper and really build that relationship with the decision maker? Yeah, great, great question. And, and there's three major takeaways from the book. And I was very fortunate. We interviewed about a dozen execs from a lot like Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, at t It goes on and on. And even some uh, like Honey Baked Ham, which being in the South, there's a lot of those. I try yeah. to get coupons from the CMO, which you wouldn't give them to <laughs> me. But anyway, so uh, no. So there's three major takeaways. They're like, okay, here, if you want to be more relevant to me, if you want to get to me, here's how you do it. One, tell me something I don't know, which a lot of people were shocked about. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is show me how your solutions align with what I'm trying to get done and what are the financial benefits. And the third one was make my life easier. 
So if you can demonstrate those, even to the gatekeepers, you know, and instead of saying, hey, I, I sell this software and I want a, a CRM and I want to show you how to have a better CRM system, that's the wrong approach. It should be more like, hey, I understand you're trying to grow your business. You're trying to get greater customer insights. We've worked with others. And, hey, I think I got some ideas that maybe you hadn't thought about. So it's really got to be those three things. Tell me something I don't know. How's what you're trying to sell me align with what I'm trying to get done? What are the financial benefits? And then make my life easier. Yeah, you're, that's exactly right. If you can do those things, I mean, they've gotten to that level for a reason. And him or her, they they just they do. They want their life to may, be made easier. And, and I know for me, that's the stuff that I want. So I think that's great. So talk about frustrations and mindset. Obviously, mindset is a, is a big part of what we do. I mean, in this brain up here, we tell ourselves yeah. 60,000 negative thoughts a day. And it's how we overcome those things. Um, but when you hear the words frustration and mindset, what comes to mind? Uh, mindset is a way of thinking about something. I think frustration is, hey, I had this plan. It didn't quite go as I thought it was going to, but I can figure it out. I mean, I get frustrated. Yeah. You know, why aren't our sales growing at 30%? Why is it 20%? Why, uh, you know, we're supposed to launch a product last month. Well, it's going to be launched. So that's frustrating. Right. Uh, but I, I don't get all negative about it. I mean, there's some days I don't feel as good as others. Sure. But I'm like, okay, that's part of my job is to lead the change. And I hope I instill that on, on all the folks, uh, that, that work at Finlistics and, and our partners in that. So having a negative mindset, that didn't get you anywhere. No. That just doesn't work long term, right? Yeah. Doesn't work long term. And we talk about that. And so we're going to kind of go through these attitude, the uh, the circuits of success and, and hence the name of the podcast. But they are attitude, your belief system, your actions that ultimately get your results. So when you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind for you? Um, how you think about things. Are you got a positive attitude? You got a negative attitude? You know, are you have a learning attitude? So just how how open are you to doing new things? And that's the way I think about it. And how about your belief systems? You as a leader, I mean, again, coming from the academic world to now running your own company for for many years, what's the belief system that if I came to your office and I tried to knock you off that belief horse, what are the things that you know to your core to be true as a leader, you know, as as a family man, whatever it may be, what are those things? Yeah, uh, I I know that uh, my heart's in the right place. Right. I know that. I know that mm-hmm. part of my job is to teach, maybe not in the academic sense uh, that I did before, but it's like to give people the opportunity to, to grow and in some way give them the framework uh, for for doing that. And another belief is trying to balance uh, family life and business life, which I sometimes don't do such a great job. Just ask sure. my wife. <laughs> but that's hard. I mean, I think it's really hard, actually. And, and I'm glad you brought that up is how do you in the times where you're really focused, you know, as a as a business owner on the business, how do you turn it off and, and go home and, and be present? Yeah, well, that that is that's a challenge for me. Uh, and it's always been a challenge for me because I, I just get really, really obsessed. But I'm very, very fortunate that I have a family that I like thinking about that I love doing things with. I think about things like I have a 92-year-old mother who's still with oh, us. She wow, still cool. moves around, and I got five brothers and sisters. So, I mean, I just start thinking about those things, and it helps me put it in perspective. Like, you know, so so you didn't hit your sales, right? Or, you know, a customer is not as happy as they could be, but I know they will be. So I really think more about – I have a wonderful son, 
graduated a few years ago in music. He's trying to make a go at it with his band and everything. Nice. So that's, you know, I think about my cool dude son and my wonderful wife and my siblings and my mom. That's what gets me through it. And do you spend time planning for that stuff? I mean, are you a journal guy? Are you sitting down, you know, thinking about the future and what you're going to do? No, I'm I'm not really. Mine is just like, what do I got to get done this week? Yeah. yeah. But obviously from, you know, family perspective, we do do plan ahead. My wife and I like to travel and yeah. been able to do as much as we like, but um, recently, but yeah, I mean, those kind of things plan ahead, the family stuff, plan ahead, the business stuff, obviously there's some strategic goals and tactical things. Yeah. And, uh, I have folks that work with me to say, okay, here's what we have to get done the next quarter. But a lot of mine, uh, sometimes is just like, now that I know I need to get done this quarter, what has to get done this week. But then there's also the strategic part of, I can't get so in the weeds, which I like to do, yeah. you know, cause I still like to create like learning content and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, that's, that's a balancing act. And I love to hear you say that, they like to get in the weeds. Would you say overall you're more of a get in the weeds type of guy and get it done, or are you more of a fly at the 100,000-foot view and uh, no. see what happens? My employees may argue I'm at the 100,000 feet. <laughs> like, we heard <laughs> what he said on the podcast, he, right? I wonder yeah. what he meant. Uh, but, no, I like and, – and I was the same way at the university. I was, I was not a theoretician, but it was more like – let me show you how to apply this to make better decisions. And that's, that's what the business, uh, fortunately, the, uh, the woman who runs our sales, the CRO, Melody Ashley, she is much more strategic than me. And I think that's why we make such a good pair. And uh, so where I tend to get more in the weeds, because I, I, I like it. Like I want to like, you know, we're doing these podcasts or I'm doing a webinar. Hey, I want there to be a takeaway. I want there to be something solid, not just here were these great ideas and go figure it out. So I'm kind of more, I would say I'm more hands-on. Okay. And, and for you, you know, to write the book and, and, and have success with that, was that something you felt like, Hey, this is a good business opportunity or is this more of a, a give back to the next generation? What, what was that like for you? you? You know, that's a great question. It was really a combination because we teach, I mean, literally thousands of enterprise sellers worldwide and, you know, it used to be you do a two-day workshop, and I really don't do that many of them now. I have coaches that do that. But people would always say, wow, that was great. But we all know that 30 minutes later, they're going to forget like 70%, 80% yeah. of it. Right. So like, do you have a framework for this? So we, Melly and I got asked that a lot. Uh, and of course, being an academic, you know, writing a book, you know, leaving your legacy, that kind of stuff. And it was never motivated by money because you don't, as you know, you don't make money by right. books. Yep. So the beginning of 2020, Mel, well, Melly and I talked about it for five years. So beginning of 2020, I said, look, we're going to write this damn book. Or I never want to talk about it again. Right. You know, I'm tired of it. And of course, COVID hits and we both said, okay, let's turn this really bad thing into something positive. We're not traveling. And that's when we engaged with a company called Scribe Media, who helped us write the book, did a wonderful job. And we just kept our nose to grind. So it was really a labor of love because... You, you know, Brett, you know the stats about enterprise sellers. Only about 60% make quota. You know, uh, executive buyers think 70% of sellers don't know their business. Well, we have a lot of friends in sales. I'm like, well, this is just not right. And so we wanted to do what we could. And that was one of the major motivations for the book. Nice. Well, and your son will get to have it and know that his dad was an author one day and get to read it, right? <laughs> As he's uh, probably read it already. But I think it's cool. It is cool to pass it down to the next generation and and uh, and see what you stand for and grandkids and all that kind of stuff. So um, when you look back at your career now, what are the things that you've gone through that you look back that you wish you knew then 
what you know now to be true? Uh, that is a great question. The one, you know, when I think about it from a, a business perspective is, um, you know, when I first started Finlistics, I don't think I thought big enough. Mm. You know, I thought, okay, this is fun. I work for these great companies. I'm making a good, you know, good living. But I, I think, you know, now, and I look at people like Elon Musk, and I'm not saying I could ever be an Elon Musk. Sure. You, you look at you people say, that yeah. think big. Like the other day, uh, I forget which city I was in. We get off the airplane, and I see a prime, you know, cargo plane. And I was talking to Melanie. I said, that is someone who thought really big. So if I had to do it over again, not, and I've, I've enjoyed my career. It's been like sure. a, a great ride. But if I had to do it over again, I would have thought bigger. I would have thought beyond just, okay, let's do this deal and make this much money. I would have thought bigger and said, you know, let's, let's uh, roll the dice a little bit more and let's see if we can't have even a bigger impact uh, on folks. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I think about that a lot. Is and I tell my kids, think big, you know. And it's you. Hopefully, they get in that system and they're you know from sixteen down to seven. But you you do, man. You want people to think big. And to your point, we're not all Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. And and you know, Steve Jobs, you know, people who are crazy enough think they can change the world are the ones who do. <laughs> uh, let's leave a dent in the universe. I mean, all those things. But it, you're so right, and it's just it's so easy to get in our little pod, isn't it? And just think. Yeah. Or this one thing or or sometimes can even self-deprecating thinking of who am I to think this big or who am I to be thinking like that? And so I, I think yeah. that's great advice for people. Well, you know, Brett, it was interesting. Elon Musk, uh, I read the quote the other day. He said, in school, instead of teaching how to retire when you're 60, they ought to teach you how to be rich when you're in your 20s. And I thought, uh. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you got time. You got all this you know, time to do stuff. My wife and I, we always joke around. We used to live in the Central West End. You know, in the city, we didn't have any kids, and we could go do all these things. Well, yeah. guess what? We didn't have any money. You know, so we'd yeah. walk to the zoo for free. We'd eat a turkey sandwich yeah. in the park, and, uh, you know, that was our Saturday afternoon. And, you know, Brett, it's not just about the money, because like Elon Musk, he, he recently gave $50 million to St. Jude Hospital. And That's like incredible. in Atlanta, where I live, where, you know, Home Depot was started by, you know, yeah. Bernie Marcus and, and all these, they, you know, they built hospitals, they've, you know, had, had museums. I mean, just so, I mean, for everyone out there, money is good. I don't care what you say, because you can do a lot of good stuff with it and have fun. That's right. Who was it? Somebody said uh, money's not everything, but it ranks right up there with oxygen. <laughs> you know, it's like, I heard that once. Like, That's kind of funny. Well, my father told me, Stephen, money can't buy happiness, but it can lease a lot of it. <laughs> That's right. It's a damn good down payment, right? Um, so what, what do you think some of the, the key business development strategies? So again, if you're you know, a lawyer, we have a lot of lawyers and accountants and business owners that listen to this. So if you can use that kind of mindset with this. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I look weird through the camera here. I got this dang sun. I wasn't thinking. Got it coming. I can't put my face in the right spot. Uh, yeah. But when, when you think about the key business development strategies, what are those things that people are doing uh, in the world that you're seeing today? Yeah, in my in my world, you know, and I'm mainly in in the you know enterprise sales, the technology space. But what they're doing from a development perspective is it's really what the heck are people trying to get accomplished, right? And so what are you know from a from a industry perspective, what are the common goals? What are the you know the strategies? You know what what are their initiatives? And then well, how how can we 
you know, apply that. How how is that going to work? Like our our accounting firm that we use, I love them because they know what we're we're focused on high growth. We uh, want to be self funding, and so they don't just like oh here you know here's your you know annual uh, filing you know your your you know IRS filing. I mean, they work with us. They talk, they talk to us. They say, okay, here, here's what we think we could do, and here's how we can help you do this. And have you have you thought about this, you know, tax credit maybe or whatever it is? So they're very – we have shared what we're trying to get done, and they are very proactive in coming to us and sharing some ideas. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good. And so the same thing. It's, it's always about being super, super customer-centric and then being able to articulate how you can help. And then being a finance type, I want to know how much. Okay, so this this R and D credit we're going to get this year. All right, how much effort is it going to take? How how much might it help us? And then you know we can decide internally how we reallocate that to more product development or marketing, wherever it might be. So it's just it's, it's it sounds obvious, but be customer centric. And most people, I don't think they are. Yeah. I, I mean, you think you can I train was, that? You you can I mean nothing sells like success and so my 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 I'm just you know top of mind twenty percent of people hear it and get it and you never see them again yeah twenty uh, percent of people it's just not their DNA has nothing to do with the intelligence like I don't think that way and then it's at sixty percent in the middle that you got to really focus on so okay here are some examples here's something very concrete around you know aligning what you're trying to do with some common goals and that. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's part of what we do. We train people to think that way. Yeah. Do you, you know, we all want to be impactful communicators. And, and so when you think about that again, on your end, you're working client, big enterprise level type stuff. What, what are you seeing that people are doing to communicate with the biggest impact? But, but I would say in not in a salesy type of way, right? Yeah. Like, like literally straight yeah. from the heart type of way. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, it's funny you say that because I was I was on a call with one of our customers to their customers a couple of weeks ago, and it went I don't know thirty minutes, forty five minutes, and their customers customers said this is like one of the weirdest calls I've ever been on. I'm like, oh crap, this is bad. He goes, <laughs> God, you haven't one. tried you, you haven't tried to sell me anything, and we're like, we'll, we'll do that later. This is all about you. So yeah, you know the the point being is get inside that person's head. What are they trying to get accomplished from a a personal perspective, what are they trying to get done, you know, financially, and then talking about how, and I learned this from Tom, Tom Choi was the CFO I worked with at Walmart, and even though we were both finance types, Tom taught me, Stephen, tell me how, and then the how much, so now, okay, Brett, I know you're trying to build up this net worth as an example, or, or you know, I know you're, this company is trying to grow 25% a year and expand profit margins, and then I, I could, you know, I could share with you, well, here, here's what we've seen other companies do, right, to do that. Have you thought about this? Oh, and here's how we've worked with other companies to help them, you know, accelerate growth, to expand profit margins, and not even get into what I do. Don't jump to solutioning. That's, that. I hate that when companies do that. Hey, let me show you a demo. Well, guess what? This is going to be a very short call, and, yeah. and I have friends, people that work for, you know, Fortune 500 company. It's the same way. Like, they, if they start demoing the first 10 minutes, it's going to be a short call. Yeah. It's all about me. You're right. You're right. I, I see it, too, from businesses that are trying to sell us on stuff. What I, what I can't stand, what, what drives me nuts is the, the, the salesman or woman says one thing, 
but then when it kind of gets into the process where it looks like, oh, this may turn into a contract and a sale for them, the, yeah. the other people, oh, yeah, we can't actually do it that way. And I can't tell you times that we've gone <laughs> down a path. And I think that that's probably important for you for the training, I would assume, is to oh. make sure the salesperson, the executor, you know, the, the person has to do the follow-up work once they're a client. They all need to be speaking the same language. And that's literally my business partner, Tim Ham and I, that's our biggest frustration with these businesses trying to sell to us is the, the left hand's never talking to the right hand. Well, and that's why you're seeing, Brett, more and more people talk about customer success or value realization because you're absolutely positively right. Seller sells one thing. Implementation team comes in. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Like if I said, "Okay, Brett, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to help you improve your cross sell, upsell, and your customer retention," and you and I both agree that's worth this many millions of dollars a year. Yeah, implementation team comes in; they've never seen that. All they know yeah. is, "Okay, our job is to get this CRM system in here, and here's the SLA and everything." They they, they typically don't even know. So how how do we know if you had a good experience or not? other than you renew or you don't renew. So, no, I'm in agreement with that, is that everyone has to be on the same page, and that's what, fortunately, you're seeing a lot of these companies around customer success. Part of that is not just, oh, you got a lot of people using it. We said we're going to add this many millions of dollars to the top line or bottom line. Did they realize that? If they did, great. What can we learn? If they didn't, how do we fix it? Yeah. Yeah, that's key. So um, how about the fears? Any of the fears you put in your mind, how many of those blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Me- meaning what? Help me out with that one. Yeah, so like uh, I think as a business owner, again, thinking about you specifically, and would you say 20, 30 years of running a business, I'm assuming oh. there are things that you've put in your mind over the <laughs> years, like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen, or I hope that doesn't happen, or what if all my clients leave and all my customers are gone and I go bankrupt and, you know, oh, this yeah. circle, right? Yeah, yeah. And one one is like most small businesses, you know, we're getting better at it, but we have a high customer concentration, right? And so you lose one or two of those in a year, you're like, it's going to be a tough year. Um, The space we're in is becoming more and more competitive. The good news is we got competitors that are raising tens of millions of dollars. And so on the one hand, it says, hey, Stephen, Finlistic's in this great space because you got investors dumping all this money into it. Um, and, but on the other hand, it's like, but you want to be self-funded, you don't have $20 million to go compete. So guess what? So that's scary, but guess what? We're all a bunch of smart people. So we're going to figure it out. You know, we're going to figure out how we, we don't need the $20 million. Uh, we get to keep a lot of the company. Um, so I mean, those, those are the, the kind of things are new, new hires. I mean, one of the scariest things for me, Brett was 2018, we had a partner that did all the IT work. They had a whole group of folks out there. I'm not an IT person. Another company bought them, and so I had to buy, they bought their other business. I had to buy the part of the business we were working with. Well, I had to bring on like five or six IT people, mm. which of which I understood like every third word. So that that was terrifying to me because like I don't understand what they're saying. We still got to keep doing product development. We've made promises to customers. And uh, so it was, a, it was really scary because I felt like I, I was not in control. So talk to us about your book. Uh, tell us yeah. a bit about that. Brag about that a little bit. Yeah, I will. I will. So, so you know, I mentioned earlier that Melly and I uh, wanted to give back. 
uh, you know, we all know that if you write a book, it's a great way for an intro to folks and those type of things. But uh, it's really, we, we call it uh, insight-led selling. A, adopt a uh, executive mindset. B, build credibility. And then C, communicate with impact. So the ABCs of insight-led selling. <laughs> and it's really designed to be almost a handbook, right? And it's geared towards yeah. field sellers, sellers, sales enablement, sales leaders. And so it's really a step-by-step guide. It starts off with, well, how do executives think? And if that's how they think, you need to think if that's where you want to sell. If you just want to do like, be an order taker, don't don't bother reading. Right. Um, and then we talk a lot about industry knowledge because a number of the executives that we talk to, so listen, I want people with industry knowledge, not be industry experts, but don't like, for example, the, the one acquaintance of mine, he's in distribution and logistics. And he was telling me the story about this guy comes in and starts using manufacturing terms. And he's like, what are you talking about? So the second part is how do you build industry knowledge, not become an industry expert, but how can you use that to better think about how your customer is doing? Uh, the third part is what we call line of business insights. And, and Brett, as you know, especially in enterprise sales, those buying groups, I think Gartner now guesstimates there's 10 plus stakeholders in these major deals. Wow. So, you know, I need to talk like the CIO. I need to talk to the mark, like a marketing exec. I need to talk to someone in distribution logistics. So that one is like, what are they thinking? How, how do you talk that way? How do you tailor your message? Because most people do a t- terrible job of tailoring their sales message to individual buyers. And then the fourth part is really around what we call the financial assessment. How how do you look at your customer, see how they're doing financially? And not, not, you know, I'm not going to go and say, Brett, did you know your profit margins dropped? Of course you know that. But how do I use that information to, you know, come up with some insights that will then help me say, okay, Brett, here's where I think I, I can help you. And then we also talk about going from a value proposition to actually a business case. So it's and it's a lot of examples. A lot of examples uh, are our experiences. Uh, we we ha- like I said, we interviewed about twelve execs, and so it's self-serving for me to say you should know your customer's financial performance, right? Because that's what we yeah. sell. But it's not when Candy Conway, uh, the former uh, SVP of Global Operations at AT and T, says. I really wish a seller would come in and know what we were doing. So a lot of really practical insights. Yeah, love that. So where do our listeners find more of, uh, of Dr. Uh, Stephen Timmy? Yep, so a couple of things. One, uh, the book's on Amazon. So you can go out, Insight-Led Selling. Um, you know, we've got both the ebook and hardbound book. And for, for the folks, for this, uh, you know, podcast, if you reach out to us at info at Finlistics, F-I-N-L-I-S-T-I-C-S.com. So info at Finlistics.com. Send us a note. Tell us that you heard about this on Circuit of Success. And what we'll send you is the first chapter, uh, complimentary, uh, that talks about the executive mindset. Um, You can also follow us on LinkedIn. Go to our website, Finlistics.com. Brett, we have tons of resources. Yeah. Like you know, I mentioned earlier, we, we do like a webinar half a month with some pretty top-notch from you know Procter and Gamble. I mean, all these top-notch companies, and you can listen to what they're saying. So yeah, that's you know, a big that, deal. That, well, we'll put all that for sure in the show notes, and uh, it's been okay. awesome having you, Stephen. We'll we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Send people your way. 
send the email for those that are listening and get the uh, free chapter uh, of the book, The Executive Mindset. That's a big deal. I think we all want to have the executive mindset, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. That's where it all starts. That's right. It's all sorts of mindset. Well, uh, uh, Stephen, thanks so much for being with us on The Circuit of Success. Really enjoyed it. All right. And thanks, everyone, for listening today. Good luck. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 